This is Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 654. And the quote of the day is, don't let society turn you into a person you're not. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, episode 654, and I missed you last week, and sorry about that. Things happen, and we are back with a episode this week, obviously, and this is with Adam Bradley Schreiber, and I found Adam's Instagram page a couple weeks ago and was totally blown away by the stuff that he was doing on his page. Uh, I, I love the style. I love the stuff that he does with with sonic experiments and different mics and, and muffling and tuning and instrumentation and all of that stuff. And I told him I was probably on his on his page for an hour. I think I watched every one of his videos. Just totally uh, a breath of fresh air to see on Instagram, but, but just in real life as a, as a drummer and as a musician, what he's doing is a great breath of fresh air. And he talks about that, about how he started going down this path and originally wasn't sure if, if this was going to pay off and thought that maybe he was making a mistake, niching down and, and going down the road that he has gone. And it has, has proven to be the right decision. And we talk about staying true to yourself and, and so, sort of that self-doubt and fear and all that, all that stuff that we make up in our heads that can creep, that can creep in and, and prevent us from doing something. So I'm not going to waste any more time. I want to get into this conversation with Adam Bradley Schreiber. Adam, what's happening, man? Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Of course. I uh I apologize I apologized off air, but I, I always like to publicly apologize to people because we moved our schedule around uh from yesterday and then I hit you and like and I'm like, hey, can you do it in an hour and a half? So uh and I res- I I respect people's time and I think our time our time is our most valuable asset. So uh thank you for being so flexible. I appreciate it. Oh yeah. No, it all works out. I'm working from home right now doing some remote sessions. So nice. Nice. I'm my own boss at the moment. So. I like it. I like it. Uh, you know, I, you and I have never met before. Uh, and admittedly I had never, I'd never seen any of your stuff. And somehow I came across your Instagram page and without exaggerating, I spent at least an hour on your page. Like I may have watched every one of your videos. Like that's how long I was. And I was so blown away by the creativity, the recording techniques, the style, uh, just like the different musical influences that were in there. And it was totally, uh, it, it was totally organic and there was, it didn't seem like there was any, you know, there was no ego behind it. It wasn't chops driven. It was, it was musical. It was, it was, it was thought provoking. I, I, it was, it completely blew me away. And I was like, immediately I was like, I got to have this guy on the podcast. But then I looked and I was like, oh, okay. Everyone already knows about him and I'm just late to the uh-huh. party. So well, thank you so much for saying that. That truly means a lot. I mean, this this whole Instagram thing, it's, it's funny because like with social media, it's something that can really hinder creativity. It can be a pretty large obsession, you know, to yeah. keep, you know, growing it and stuff like that. And I kind of, you know, just started posting these little 15 second clips during um, uh, when COVID first hit mm-hmm. just to kind of help prove to myself that I could find something, you know, 15 seconds a day. <laughs> right. And um 
yeah, it's just, it's been absolutely amazing. I'm very humbled, you know, anyone that's followed along, you know, that gets something out of it too. Cause it's just, it's become, it's basically my daily meditation. Right. And yeah, I'm just, it, it, it really does mean a lot to hear you say that though. So well, thank you. I well deserved, man. And I, I look at, I always bring up Nate Smith because I think that he was, he's, I mean, there's other people who obviously, but he's one of those people that really blew up because of Instagram, but deservedly mm-hmm. so, right? Like he used it yeah, as incredible <laughs> and he used it as like this organic platform where he was just like, this is me doing, doing my thing. This is showcasing the stuff that I do on the bandstand. And, it, and he used it in a way that wasn't ego driven. It wasn't like, let me just show you all these chops. Cause Nate Smith has ridiculous chops, right? But mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's not always displaying that stuff. Uh, he's just, he, everything that he does is, is so thoughtful. And I thought the same with you where I was like, okay, this is a guy that's using this platform in a way. And I don't want to diminish what you do just to Instagram, but that's where I came across everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, man, this guy gets it. He's using, he's using the platform to showcase his abilities and not to put things out there of, of like, Hey, look at me. And, and it's all flashy and, you know, recorded. I, I remember reading somewhere that like, you're not a, you're not a record and fix it, go la- fix it later kind of guy. Right. You're like, let's mm-hmm. just do it right now and yeah. be done with it. I spent a lot of years doing uh, production too. And like actually much more production than in like audio engineering than drumming too. So that was, I, I definitely have, have learned, you know, from working with other other drummers and, and other musicians, you know, when it's too much. <laughs> so right. I, I feel like I definitely have been carrying that with me of like, I just, I don't want to get in the way. <laughs> you know, I just want to yeah. serve the song. And, you know, when an artist comes in, most, I, I, I have a really hard time finding a lot of like newer music that, you know, I feel like the drums, you know, whether it's the production or the playing aren't, you know, just completely stepping over the song. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so it's that that's just kind of my own personal thing i I've, I've always kind of followed the you know put out what you know put out more of what you would like to see in the world um you know and lead by that example yeah so yeah it's, it's just i uh, uh sometimes it can just be you know just it's humbling just to play along to like some old like you know blues records like uh, like light lightning hopkins and just doing like single snare hits or whatever mm-hmm. cuz it's it's normally like if you really try and get on the same page of like thinking of like what they were feeling and you know their breathing pattern and you know yeah. it's it's completely uh non-metric you know there's nothing you can snap into there's no click yeah. track it's you have to tune in and be like you know almost channel the, what they were feeling in order to even get something passable yeah <laughs> that's been such a it's been such a humbling challenge you know just just doing that. So like lately I've been really enjoying just like bringing up like old records without drums that really, they don't need drums, but there's something to me, they're already perfect, but it's just a yeah. fun challenge. Just to feel like they, I'm getting to know the, these artists. You that's, know. that's some of the stuff that you've posted. That's like really blown me away. You're like, Oh, this track doesn't have, th- this is an instrumental track. Let me just see what it sounds like to, to put some drums on it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's like, it just, I think it's a really I think it's a really cool concept, uh, but also I think that you do such a great job of just like sitting in there and and time. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But like, but you're using the correct sounds of the time and you're fitting mm-hmm. in there. You're not you're not showing up, you know, with like a 
a brand new DW kit or something like that <laughs> and, and trying to play on these uh, on these old tracks. It's just I don't know. I think it's I think it's really cool. I, I recommend everyone uh, go follow Adam and check out his his Instagram page where he does that. There's, Thank you. <laughs> I do have a question about when when you're listening to an old record, and I've talked about this before. If it say if it does have drums, well, maybe if it doesn't, but but particularly if it has drums on it, and you can play it in a room and everyone is just like, man, this, it just feels so good. Right. It You can pick mm -hmm. any artist and we as drummers will all agree. Like we'll listen to it and we get, you know, we get that face and, and we have like, we look like we're going to get sick or something because it just sounds so good and feels so good. And then we go and sit behind the kit and we go and play all this stuff. It's like, why do we, we know that this is what feels good and this is what sounds good why do we go and sit behind the kit and not try to play that way? Yeah. <laughs> is it like, is it an ego thing or where? Yeah, I, where's this? For me, it's always been like just sitting, you know, sitting down and, and I have to get that stuff out of the way first, normally in order to play do minimalistically, you? you know, it's like, it's almost like a warm up. you know, I always tune my, I, I, I've always had like kind of different like drum tunings too. So I like to see like, kind of almost test the waters of how far I can go, how deep I can mm -hmm. go. And, you know, um, but yeah, normally, normally like if, if I am like just making some videos or whatever, I'll just, you know, set up my phone record for like an hour and just play along with tracks and just sometimes I just have a bunch of things on, on shuffle. Like I, some songs right. I've, I'm discovering, you know, through the algorithm or whatever, but definitely like the first at least 20 minutes is just playing more extreme, you know, Things right. that are not pocket based, you know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's, it's just to kind of get, you know, feels like once I get that out of the way, I can focus on, you know, just, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's something, it, it feels like it's, it's, it's bringing something out of myself that is, you know, I'm not thinking about it. It just, you know, it just feels right. It feels like an actual mm -hmm. reaction, you know, and that's a yeah. lot of what I do is I feel like it's more. It'd be in the boat of a more reactionary playing like somebody plays something and i answer you know it's right rather than like is if, if i sit and overthink it then I, I will be it will definitely be ego driven it'll be uh, right you know thinking oh someone will think i suck if i you know don't prove you know what i can do or whatever but, yeah yeah I, and I just go ahead oh i was, I was just gonna say i just you know kind of got that out of my system pretty early yeah. on too from playing in a lot of i used to be like a really hard hitting you know want, wanting to be john bonham like everyone else and yeah you know just loving those but you know i i look back and think how much i i still you know want to be john bonham you know it's just it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just cool to to you know how your inspirations never truly leave you and they come in cycles mm-hmm mm -hmm. It reminds me a little bit of, of an actor before they're on set or they're doing an audition where they have their ritual where they're, you know, they scream or they like pump themselves up and, yeah. and they sort of like get all that energy out and then fall into character a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I it, to me, because I would have never, I would have never thought that, uh, that you were like this hard hitting John Bonham-esque drummer. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I've always been obsessed with like getting really, you know, big sounds you know it's i've, I've mm -hmm. and always you know I've, I've always since i first you know when i've got my first drum kit and stuff i would always play around with you know dampening and in different ways of hitting and stuff like that because i was just obsessed with like this doesn't sound like how it sounds in the record you know and i right. didn't know the extent of of studio 
you know, all the studio trickery that can happen. You know, Wizardry. I didn't know that could be compressed. <laughs> like a compressor could, you know, change the attack or, you know, right. or how much of it, you know, I just thought, you know, you just sit down and, but, you know, that, that really did, I think, help me become, you know, where I am right now, you know, just, just as this part, at this part of the journey. Um, mm-hmm. Because like the John Bonham thing that really led me to, you know, look more into his influences and, it just kept going, you know, I just keep, I'm, I'm fascinated by looking at other people's, you know, who inspired that person and where they got mm-hmm. from, because you see that there is no super human, you know, it comes from different people's culture, you know, it comes from community and, you know, yeah. whether, whether it's African drumming, Polynesian, you know, it's just, it all roots to not one person could do this alone. And, you know, yeah. when, when I get in, into that mindset, that's what makes me really, um, it, it it feels energizing and it makes me, mm-hmm. you know, do more like playing big upstrokes and stuff like that rather than, yeah. you know, tensing up and hitting hard into the drum, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that's the way I used to think, like, that's the way John Bonham would play was, you know, but, you know, revisiting it, it's just, it, it's fascinating, you know, just to see, it, it is. you know, it, it's not what you and think. That, and the rabbit hole that you can go down mm-hmm. of, of learning new things and figuring out how people did things and, and sort of, and learning from their mistakes. You know, people have come before us and they've made mistakes or, or perfected things or, or developed different ways of doing things. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I don't have to figure this out every time. The interesting point that, that you bring up too, I think it's really important is that these things, whether it's a player, a style, a sound, that stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's all of this influence from different players, from different cultures, from different styles of music, from different eras, from different instruments, from all mm-hmm. of this other stuff that one person could have been taking in all of these different influences and develop their sound. And if you try to just take one song of theirs or one record of theirs and, and try to mimic it, I don't think you're really getting the true experience or, or understanding the whole story of like, why that person plays that way or what, why yeah. they approached that music that particular way. Absolutely. And like finding out all the tape, like there's so many session musicians with the same story of like, you know, they didn't, they didn't really have a choice that that take was chosen, you know, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. they could have absolutely hated it. You know, it was just, yeah, it's again, just going back to just pure reaction, you know, somebody's playing mm-hmm. something in a room. That's why I love a lot of that, you know, a lot of, the fifties, you know, um, blues, soul, um, R and B, whatever category it's put under, (laughs) but you know, it's just like a lot of it was just these, these people that knew each other and knew the room really well and would just, you know, get the drummer would start playing something. The bass player would start playing something. And then, you know, somebody would start singing over it. And that was how the song, you know, became to be, you know, it wasn't like a, all right, you know, here's these, you know, perfectly click track demos, you know, it's, 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 (laughs) and there's so much of, you know, I've, I've always had such a hard time with, with click tracks, you know, I'll I'll still do it. And, you know, because I do think it's important to be able to do it, but, you know, I just, I've never, it's it's a very easy way for me to feel like I'm losing the connection with the song, you know, because I focus Mm -hmm. too much on that pulse and I feel like that's doing, you know, what it's, it's replacing a human. You know, and it and right. it's just nothing is supposed to be that perfect in the world. <laughs> so it's just, right, right, right. I just and I and I think that, then, I, I think then people had more had better time. Mm-hmm. 
because they had to. There was no metronomes and yeah. click tracks and all that kind of stuff. So, and people would, you know, you sort of got, it, it was sort of like uh, just you honed this skill for so many years. And now people are, and I'm, I'm, this is just a broad stroke. So I, and I'm generalizing, but I don't mean to, I mean, there are some people who can play with a tr- click track and it sounds amazing. But, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of times, we lean on the click track as a crutch to help us keep time. But at the same time, we don't have great internal time so that when we are stuck to that click track, then we start sounding like a robot. Yeah. And so it's sort of like this double edged sword. That's my, that's my take on it. Uh, I mean, you have, you have uh, a lot more experience with it doing remote work and things like that. But uh, do you feel like that is kind of what's happening? I don't yeah, want to put words. In I, absolutely. My, my thing with click tracks too, is like, I, you know, I have a slow, regular heartbeat, so I connect a lot with, you know, I don't feel time perfect, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, when it, mm-hmm. when I get to the root of it, you know, it's, I have a natural sense of how I feel it. And I've really learned, you know, in some ways, a hard way of, you know, some sessions are just, a you know, a piece of cake, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. it can be done in like 20 minutes. And some, it's me trying to be something I'm not, you know, and that's, that's where right. I just learned, you know, okay, I'm not, I can't take this, this project on no matter if it's work or, you know, if, if I like the artist a lot or whatever, but yeah, click tracks are just, you know, they're just, there's something that sometimes, you know, I put it up and I just think of it as like someone playing cowbell or something. It's fine. Right. <laughs> but right. yeah, it's they, for me, it's, it's definitely been, I'm, I'm definitely in a different, you know, I, I'm I'm in a bit more of the unpopular side. I think of you know, kind of breaking the metric time, and I I I just I feel things very different. You know, it's like if I don't have a connection mm-hmm. to it, then I feel like you're not going to get the same performance. You know, that's why I really yeah. feel like I need to have most importantly, I need to have a connection to the song and the players and stuff like that, and and yeah. them as people, or else I'm not going to mm-hmm. give a good performance. <laughs> I could sound yeah. like someone that just picked up drums because I, if I don't understand it or not feeling it, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't, I mean, obviously it doesn't work for pop music, but I think that, you know, if you go listen to, you know, uh, Grant Green live at the lighthouse, mm-hmm. right. There's like, there's tunes where that, that they're speeding up and slowing down yeah. and all. And it's like, because there's energy there or the song may start out, here and then it and then it gets pushed a little bit or it gets dragged a little bit because there's that's just the ebb and flow of what's going on and i i think that that's what makes music breathe and yeah. it doesn't work for it unfortunately or whatever it, it doesn't work for pop music uh you're not going to hear it on the radio and it's and speeds are going to be you know pushed and yeah pulled. but uh but by and large like i feel like we as humans all agree that that's what feels good is music that breathes yeah, and that's why yeah, all the, there's connected. like all these. That's why all these there's all these timeless classics, right? Mm-hmm. And you would never know. I mean, uh, like if it's a if people are really connecting, you know, the groove is feeling good between like a drummer and a bass player or something. Then you know you have it in your head that you still kind of have it in your head that's like perfectly in time. You know, it just proves mm-hmm. that there really is there is no such thing. You know, in the, in music and you know I've. I've learned a lot, you know, I've been playing with more people um, that do like more like free jazz and stuff like that lately. And like, I've mm-hmm. had some people like a, like a really great violinist and stuff that 
wanted me to plan some stuff. And I just thought, why, why would you want me? You know, I, I, I didn't go to school for this or anything. I just, you know, there are times at the session that I was just like, you know, he could choose any, why, why would he want me to play on this? And I finally mm-hmm. understood, you know, the purpose of being on it, you know, later in the session, just, you know, with seeing, you know, there's little things that, that I just followed my instincts of like, I found out that my Tom tuning is technically dissonant, you know, um, it's, I, I've always tuned it to meet like this resonance, you know, to feel it in my chest, to feel that return. And, you know, mm-hmm. my, measured like playing with these guys and stuff, you know, they can tell me, oh, that's, you know, that's in a, you know, 432 tuning or whatever. And we're putting this, you know, so it's, it's really helped me, you know, grow a lot, but learning a lot about time signatures and the way, you know, there's just one form up front and then, you know, it's, it's up to, it's completely up to, you know, your personality and you to put everything you have just to keep, keep the songs energy and, and, and give it this, you know, this, this life, you know, that's, that's bigger mm-hmm. than any one person in the room. But yeah, yeah that's, now, you said, that, you said that, sorry to interrupt you. Were you finished? Oh, no worries. Sorry. Uh, I, uh, you had mentioned that you hear things differently and you hear time differently and, 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 um, you hear rhythms differently. Why do you think that is, is it the stuff that you've listened to over the years or is it stuff that you grew up on? Is it just the way that your, your brain works? Uh, why do you think that is? I, I think a lot of it is definitely, you know, what I've absorbed just from what I listened to. Cause I, you know, my musical taste is all over the place. It's like every time I've thought, no, I don't like this genre or I don't like this or like, you know, every band that I've said that I didn't like when I was younger, whatever, it seems to have come back where I've <laughs> been able to, you know, see, oh, wait, I do at least like this, you know, at least right. you know, I, I really like, you know, the bass playing about it, you know, because it's something that I definitely have picked up on in every single genre. But um, yeah, I think I think a lot of it is, you know, I used to be just so so hard on myself that I wouldn't move, you know, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't record anything. You know, I would, I would just, um, you know, just kind of sit, sit in that path of, I'm not good enough for this. There's plenty of people doing this. Why should there be another person? You know, the world doesn't need this, you know? And really, really, I think what break me, broke me out of it was emphasizing, you know, the fact that, you know, not everything needs to be perfectly in time, especially, I guess connecting a lot with like a lot of the music of Trinidad and stuff like that, that really opened like a lot, especially like 1940s, you know, the way time is felt, I felt a big connection. Same with a lot of like the Ethiopics, um, Ethiopian jazz, like compilations and stuff like that, that really helped me understand myself better and, and really understand that, you know, I was fighting back, I was pushing back an identity, you know, that was hidden. And, you know, that's, that's what's kind of energized me is that, you know, every single person has an identity, you know, nobody, and, mm-hmm. th- and that's where it gave me purpose to be like, okay, the world does need more people just not caring what people think. And, you know, it's, it's turned into like, from that point of like really embracing a lot of this world music and being shown, you know, whether it's like, you know, the old like cumbia recordings or, or, I mean, even modern cumbia, like just, it's. I think I was just living too much in, in one box of rules. And it's like, once I got rid of mm. the rules, my, you know, true identity came out and it, it just, you know, 
to me, like when I'm playing and, and I, and I, you know, it, 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 it truly is more medita- uh, meditative and more like a religion than anything else. You know, it just, it feels like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm using drums as a tool to find out who I am, you know, and that's the incentive. It's not, you know, to show that I can do something. I never really have been like a guy that like, okay, I need to learn every single rudiment, you know, half the time I don't even know what I'm playing. <laughs> you know, people tell me what I'm playing, but right. You know, it's just is what it is. <laughs> but Man, that is, that is really inspiring. I think that's an important thing that you just said that you. you, that everyone has their, their own identity. And, and I think that I, and I, I don't, I hate, I don't mean to harp on social media, but I think that we, we get sort of spoon fed a lot of the same stuff and we're like, Oh, we need to do that because we need to fit inside of this box. Like you said, mm-hmm. and maybe you don't feel comfortable and in that box. Uh, but, but it's one, I'm thankful that you kept going on that journey to, to find yourself. But I think that it's important for others to find themselves too. Do you have recommendations of how, how to start doing that? Is it, is it exploring different types of music? Is it, is it getting out of your, getting out of that box a little bit to see, see what else you like? And how do you even start that process? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, it really does come from, from the instrument point of view, like sitting down at the drum kit and playing around with tunings and actually feeling what creates, you know, some type of, whether it's a good resonance or dissonance or, you know, something in you. Because like, like for me, like, mm-hmm. I guess that really was probably the first stepping stone of just, you know, I tune my toms a certain way and I don't really change them. I'm not changing them for sessions unless it's like something feels crazy wrong or whatever. But like normally, oh, I just really? Like, it's just like this is what you get. Yeah, and I I use all calfskin rawhide, um, for the most part. I mean, I rarely use like I I I felt a very big connection to those because you know they're kind of like you know the way I am where. You know, they get in weird moods. Sometimes they don't feel like playing. You know, sometimes they don't cooperate. Mm-hmm. You know, it, they, they feel more human. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, starting there is just, you know, feeling feeling something, whether it's just, you know, for me, just like really slowly, just single hits, you know, just feeling until I get that return from the instrument where I feel like I'm getting something mm-hmm. back or my resonance is met by it. And then, you know, finding other music that has players that were seeking that same thing, you know, more tone conscious mm-hmm. and more, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of pain and a lot of, but also a lot of happiness. You know, I, I, I think that's what really helped me on my journey was again, for me, it was Calypso music. I, I found it, it was a long route. It was actually first through a, for this, from this TV show that me and my brother were watching called over the garden wall. Um, it was just, a, mm-hmm. it was just a, kind of funny little cartoon but it, um you know I've, I've always appreciated like animation and stuff like that it had like hand-painted backgrounds and stuff like that and there's an artist right. on there that you know a lot of the music was kind of more like old old timey and stuff like that and there's an artist that we discovered on there that was doing voice acting named cw stone king and um ended up what you was know, the name cw stone king um he's an australian gotcha. artist but um he is definitely one of the most unique artists playing, you know, uh, it, it, he, he's not like just doing like a throwback sound. Like he's someone like that if he was around the thirties or forties, 
I truly believe he would have stood out. Like he, he just had a really unique really? voice. Um, and, and he's someone that you can't put in a box. You know, he, he plays Calypso. He plays, mm-hmm. uh, um, like Sunhouse type blues. He plays, um, he's just all over the place, but he was someone that I found through that TV show that, you know, by discovering him, it introduced a whole world of other, you know, uh, types of world music. Like, um, Mm-hmm. He covered a song by this guy, Will Moscadini, who's one of my favorite um, Calypso artists from the 40s. And, you know, it it just it turned into this big rabbit hole of, you know, once you find that out, you know, you find, you know, that they were, you know, this type of rhythm wasn't invented in Trinidad. It was, you know, an Afro, you know, some type of African rhythm, you know, from, you know, something from West Africa or whatever. And like, like it, right, it's just a big right. rabbit hole. But but yeah, that was you know, just going down that, it, it just feels like it turned, it kind of turns you into a magnet to attract, you know, other things, you know, it's, um, I guess shortly after discovering, um, that artist, um, he was probably, he's probably one of my favorite artists, um, doing music today. Um, I, he ended up reaching out to me on Instagram and I started playing drums with them and, you know, just thinking awesome. that this all comes from, you know, me trying to find myself and just a connection, but I've, I've just had a few like weird things that have helped, you know, and, and just having like that one person that you really respect me. Like, I, you know, I love what you're doing. You know, it's like you're feeding off of each other and it's, it feels like true balance. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's along the lines of like, you don't, you don't want to be famous, but you want to sort of be like respected by your peers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, or, or, or recognized by no your peers. And that's like, for fame. Right? And you're like, that's all I need. <laughs> I just, yeah. I mean, there's a point where you know, I I do recognize that you know, and I'm really appreciative. But like, I've just seen so many people that ha- that are famous that you know they just get seen as more, you know, either a content creator or just an just an object rather than a, a real person. And they start, be, they start yeah. being treated as a brand. And, you know, to me, I just, I've, I've always, you know, even before I was doing more like session work and stuff like that, I've, my, my main goal was just, you know, to be able to have sustainability, you know, have, even if it was, you know, 15 people, you know, that show up, you know, to see you play, to see your band play in each city or whatever, you know, just the bare minimum, yeah to financially make it or, you know, just to keep going at it, you know, mm-hmm. I do believe in limitations that, I mean, heavily too. So how so, um, in everything from drumming to just, you know, just putting a cap on something, you know, because otherwise if I have too many options or, or there's too many people, you know, that all want, you know, that won't let go of your first release or whatever, won't let, let you move on as an artist. It's like, I've, mm. I've, that's always been a big fear of just like playing with like a one band or whatever. It's just like being basically a slave to one album, almost like not being able to grow. Yeah. I mean, you look at, it's like the, the blessing and the curse of like, you know, you have a, this hit record that sells 20 million copies and it's like, great. I mean, that's phenomenal for your bank account and all that kind of stuff. But then it's like, you know, when that album's 10, 15, 20 years old, you're still playing those songs and, and it's like, I don't want to hear that. I just want to hear yeah, the, that, the old that's exactly it. That's all I, yeah. <laughs> They're just People come for that one yeah. song. And it was just something that you, you know, were feeling or maybe not feeling in one moment. And that's just, it kind of avoids a lot of your, your, you know, every, everyone will, will grow. 
for sure. You know, whether they're staying in like mm-hmm. the same you know vein, but I mean, it, it, I, I just I, I I have felt very very you know cautious and moving forward of I, you know I really don't I I appreciate every person that follows me, but I I, I do not you know want like this big super. I don't know. I just, I don't want to be a superhuman. I just want to be a real person, you know, right. connecting with real people. And, <laughs> you know, that I yeah. appreciate it for the, uh, the, the amazing places that Instagram has led me so far has, has been completely mind blowing. Cause like, like I said, I know, yeah. I know that this app can be very damaging to people's mental health, but it's like, for me, it's like, I have to come in and then get out, you know? I figured out what works yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it is, you know, the, it's where the music industry is at right now. And, and it is a, mm-hmm. like I said, I do, I do really appreciate the platform to be able to connect with people. And, you know, the fact that I'm here right now because of just posting, you know, vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram. Promark is more than just a pair of sticks. It's the inspiration for all drummers to break the barriers of convention and make their mark. And Promark is challenging players of all kinds to discover what makes their drumming unique and show your stripes. Use the hashtag showyourstripesdr on Instagram to share your own special performance, a photo of your kit, or whatever you feel sets you apart as a drummer. The best submissions will be included in a brand new Promark official stripes ad spot. Be sure to follow at Promark Sticks on Instagram to stay in the loop with all the exciting things they have in store this year. Promark, the official stripes of making your mark. So if you're looking to get a new kit, you have two options. One, you can check out some pictures online. You can go to the store. You can see what they have there. You can drive to another store. You can find a couple more models and you can drive yourself insane driving all over the place trying to see what the kit that you want looks like. Or you can design yourself the perfect sonar kit using their SQ2 drum configurator. And this configurator allows you to build a kit from scratch or you can use some of their predetermined configurations and then just modify them. But you can modify everything, the sizes, the configuration, the hardware, the color, all of that stuff. And you can make it to your exact specifications. Not only that, you can get an overhead view, you can get a 3D image of it. All of that is all built into the drum configurator. To build your dream sonar kit, go to sq 2 drumsystemcom or just Google Sonar SQ2. You'll find it. Check it out. The Sonar Drum Configurator. I, I mean, from, from what you're saying, I, I 100% agree with the fact that the easiest person to be is yourself. And the, the more you're trying to be like someone else, the more it's going to come through. And the second is when you're open and honest and vulnerable on social media, that's the stuff that resonates mm-hmm. with people. And you're like, Oh shit. Like that's, that's, that's actually yeah. who I am. And, and then people are like, Oh, so he is mm-hmm. a human being. Now I can relate to him. I, you know, it's like, I don't want to see someone who took 37 takes, edited it five times, you know, put all these different, uh, uh, yeah. plugins <laughs> on it and, photo photo color corrected it and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, I can't relate to that. It's it. You're, it seems like they're a superhero, yeah. like you said. And and it just, you know, but if you're like, you, it really sets that standard. put something up and you're like, I'm, 
I said, it really just sets the standard in the wrong direction to me. You know, it's just, I don't, that, that, that to me is, you know, the world doesn't need more people, you know, playing, you know, just proving that what they can do, you know, it really needs more people just exposing, you know, how they feel things, you know, to me, if I play something and I can't get the snare hits to, you know, they're always behind the meter or whatever, and it feels like it should be ahead or someone wants it, then that's what, that's what I can do. You know, there's a different guy that can play Mm -hmm. it, maybe what they want, but this is my, you know, that's the way I feel it, you know? So I've just been, it's been a lot of letting go, you know, and in that aspect, you know, it's, it's taught me so much, you know, with, with that, of just knowing like, whether you're the right person or not, or just it's your ego being like, no, I can do this. But if you don't really fundamentally care about it, then it can, it can do more harm than good sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely can. Um, you, you'd mentioned listening to a lot of music from Trinidad and listening to Mm -hmm. Calypso music and and different things. I, and this is going to sound like such a stupid question because we have the internet. Uh, but if people want to start going down that road, I, so for me, like I've always loved Brazilian, uh, I've always loved, um, all sorts of like, um, Afro-Cuban music and all that kind of stuff. But for me, but here's the thing here's, and this is like, I'm going to sound like such an idiot when I say this, but Hey, we're being vulnerable here. I, when I listen to stuff, I'm like, I don't know if this is good or not. And I don't know if I'm listening to like what, like you can, there's like, let's say jazz, for Mm -hmm. example, right? Like you can go and find a ton of horrible jazz records, right? Or you can go and find a lot of great jazz records. But if you don't know anything about it, you don't know what you're listening to. So how do you, how do you decipher? Like if you're going to start listening to something from Trinidad, how do you decipher whether it's some dude in his basement that's horrible or someone that is recognized as like one of the better players or one of the better bands? Yeah. That's also a very good question. You know, it's, um, I guess for me, I've, I've just, I've looked for an aspect of, you know, kind of the movement that happens, you know, with, I, I, I become very tuned in just with like, especially with drums and, and vocalists and stuff like that. Cause it's for me, it's the easiest to catch on to, but you know, when someone is, is, is pained or really saying what they mean or playing what they mean, you know, that's mm-hmm. to me, the music of Trinidad from especially like forties, fifties and stuff like that, where, you know, it was a big deal to be in a recording studio, especially if, you know, like an American recording studio in these, in these poor areas, you know, you had to have something very special. And there was like this big thing with, with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, um, FDR loving, um, the music, Eclipso music and stuff like that. So it, it created a demand in America for, you know, a lot of it was, um, a lot of it is kind of like the early, the earliest like rap, uh, rap battles. They would call it war, where mm-hmm. they, they would they would challenge another um, uh, Calypsonian singer to war. Where they would do it was like the earliest rap battles, but they would really. A lot of these were uh, these people were, were were slaves that were brought, and you know there's a lot of pain, and they would mm-hmm. you know whether it was you know some some of it sounds like the happiest songs in the world, and you know they but could be not. making fun of of you know the people that enslaved them 
or you know and and, and you mm. know it's just are you so is this are you saying this music was recorded here in uh, the some States? of it was and some of it you know they would send people out to you know kind of like alan lomax gotcha. style you know someone with a tape machine and one mic or whatever but right. but just you know it not, not all of it is that you know that's that's more of a darker example but you know it's like there's mm-hmm. i for me i i guess i, I i've just really kind of tuned myself to I just, I feel that, that really happy, you know, glow or, or sometimes that happy glow, sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, just that the pain that they're feeling, you know, and, and especially, yeah. it's especially hard in, you know, in the drumming world to, to pick up on that right away. But it's like, you know, you can, you can feel on like a Sandy Nelson record or whatever, the inner, his movement, you know, if you try and play that, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't play it like him or in the ballpark of him without channeling his movement you know like leaning into a kit or like even the way buddy rich played or whatever it takes a lot of Mm -hmm. of you know them believing in something you know and and that's i think i think that's the kind of the filter for me with with like the music of like trinidad or really any music it's just you know if 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 i feel like someone actually 100 percent is being authentic with it, you know, then I, I normally love it, you know, regardless of of the, of the genre, you know, it's just, Mm -hmm. but, and, and, and I wasn't always like that. It's it's definitely developed more in the past, you know, in the past five years, you know, I've, I've been more of a, but it's, it's, it's been like, you know, that's the stuff that's helped heal me and helped me discover myself. So it's like, that's why I want, you know, I'm just actively seeking mm-hmm. it and, you know, I'll spend, you know, just hours and hours and hours just going through music. And it's just, you know, I normally know pretty fast if, if, if I have a connection with this song. Right. But I mean, yeah, that's, I always get stuck in like the habit of just playing the same stuff. I go on mm-hmm. my phone and then I go to iTunes and then I'm just like, I'll just play the record that yeah, I'm listening to. I mean, or something. I, I do like, that too. And it's like getting out of that box. But sometimes yeah. I'll, you know, if, if I'm feeling like, uh, you know, I don't really have much drive to do this, or I don't feel like playing drums today, then I normally take that as a big clue where I just need to sit down. I need to find some new music. <laughs> like I need to do some research. Yeah. And, you know, again, just even as simple as, you know, looking at, you know, the obvious drummers like their influences and then going deeper than that their influences and then it's you know yeah that's that's something that has become very very important a very important part of um keeping me doing this (laughs) yeah i man i'd love i'm just thinking about this now i'd love if there was someone took on the project of like building sort of like a like instead of like a family tree like a a uh like an influence oh, yeah. tree, right? So you have like you have a drummer, and then it has like their influences below it, and like who they Man, connected that, to, yeah, and all that, that kind awesome. of stuff. <laughs> it, would, it would save that a lot would of digging. <laughs> it would save a lot of digging, but I think I don't know. Maybe digging is is the uh, the sort of rite mm-hmm. of passage, right? Like you got to go and find the stuff that you like, and and uh, you know, I think it's, and I'm sp- I'm just speaking for myself. I think that there's there's so much music out there. And everything is as accessible at our fingertips and it's almost mm-hmm. overwhelming. So then I'm like, oh, I'll just go listen to the yeah. Sanderson pack record again, you know, instead of like sifting through. And I mean, it's, it's overwhelming 
for sure. It, it definitely uh, feels, and I feel um, like I'm. I think one of the most significant moments I had too in the in the music industry was was back in was twenty twenty twelve. I was working with um, a really great mastering engineer, um, Doug Sachs. He was like one one of the best of the best. He cut like the original, um, like Pink Floyd masters, like The Wall, and like he just oh, wow. just did everything. But like any record that you could think of in like the seventies, eighties, like and he he stood by he did his it. late. Like even when technology was outgrowing, you know, well supposedly outgrowing, he knew that there was harmonic content right. and stuff that was being re- written that digital will never have the capabilities of doing. So he was somebody that, mm-hmm. you know, when we first met him, um, it was in one of my first bands and we we had just recorded at the studio with where um Tom Waits did a bunch of stuff with his like production team and um this guy was like at the recommendation. He was kind of doing it as a favor for the engineer because he's like super busy and, you know, very expensive, but he, you know, he was, if, if this guy Oz, you know, Oz Fritz who did like all these huge records, like if he recommended it, then like he would, he would take it on and listen to it and stuff. He would, so we had an, right. uh, we were like living on the short bus at the time and, you know, on the road six months, you know, very poor and just, um, you know, not sure if we had a great product or whatever, but um, we walk in right. there and the guy was like, you know, he had no patience for us. He was just like, looked at our boss and he was just like, whose eyesore <laughs> is that? You know, and, and how have you listened to this record? And, you know, uh, um, the singer was just like, uh, you know, we, we listened on, you know, laptops and stuff. And he was just, he was very angry at first, but it, as he was starting the process, <laughs> um, he was, um, he started, you know, kind of turning, you know, changing his whole tune, you know, because what, what we recorded there was not perfect. It was like one of my first sessions I've ever, I ever did. I was really mm-hmm. paranoid about every, you know, drum hit being on time. It was recording hard to tape and, and, um, yeah, long story short, he ended up really, really feeling a connection to it and, and taking us out to dinner. And, and one of the things that, um, he told me was, um, Basically, you know, you're not um, you, the record that you guys have is is like is like you know this this meal that we just had. It's, it's a very well prepared you know uh, specific meal, but not everyone is going to like this meal. People are going to want McDonald's still, and that was something right. that you know I still think about and I still come back to you know where you know, relating the music industry to food is, you know, that that's exactly it. You know, my, my, my whole style of drumming and everything, it's, you know, it, it starts off, I'm, I'm not doing this to impress other people. I'm doing this for myself to heal myself first. And mm-hmm. if it helps other people along the way, then that is just a huge bonus, you know, and, and it helps, it helps me even more. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that's such a, that's a great yeah, it's, analogy. It, it, it's, it's pretty simple. It but really it's something is. That, you know, I just, like I said, I just keep coming back to thinking about, and you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that it was exactly what I needed to hear at that time. Cause otherwise I would have been more worried mm-hmm. about, you know, is this going to do well? And I would have changed who I am to cater to this industry. And that to me is not sustainability, sustainability for, you know, your mental health. It could be for your wallet, but not for, you know, yeah the the gift of actually creating you know 
Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I you see it all the time too, the people that that are going down one path and they realize that this is the path that they should mm-hmm. be going down and maybe against maybe against other people's better, you know, judgment of saying, "No, you should not go down that road because it's not going to be worth it. You're not going to be as successful, you're going to be unhappy." And then they go and do it. And they're 10 times yeah. more successful at it because they do, they really love what they do and they believe it and and it's true to who they are mm-hmm. as a human being. And I think that I think it's hard to find, but when you find it, you gotta just you gotta just double down on it's it. It's always and yeah, for just it. trusting your gut and just you know, because it really mm-hmm. won't lead you lead you wrong too. You know, it's is that everything that has, you know, helped me so far with, you know, what I feel is the right direction for myself has been it's felt like before doing it that there's no way that this is going to work. You know, that this is, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a fool out of myself. I'm not, you know, I'm not the right guy. I have people tricked, you know, it's just, it's all mm-hmm. that, you know, it's all in your head, you know, but, but yeah. normally your gut, you know, that's where it, that won't lie to you. Yeah. Was there external uh, criticism about what you were trying to do? Um, too? I guess I, <laughs> I never really, wanted to hear it at the time because you know i was more just you know <laughs> yeah i again just wanting to be like you know focus more on being like the next john bonham you know and it's it's just it's not yeah not achievable in that sense of he already you know he already played with a certain combination of you know his influences you know he 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 didn't invent drumming yeah. like a lot of people present you know or we'll make it out to be, you know, with their favorite right. drummers. It's not like out of nowhere, you know, rock drumming was invented. It's, you know, a very complex, complex kind of, you're saying like family tree of influences. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've also, I didn't really start playing with other people outside of like my closest circle because I started playing with my, my brother and sister. That was our first band. And that was like the band that we recorded with. And for years, that, that was like the only band I was in. And then, um, you know, playing in my girlfriend's band and then playing with in my brother's girlfriend's band. So it was like all very connected and close and I guess somewhat safe, you know, because I could kind of mm-hmm. always, you know, I there wasn't really a lot of like producers or people like stepping in and being like, no, you need to do this or whatever. It was just all kind of us just right, right, trying anything and everything. <laughs> but yeah, and then you know, yeah. it, it really wasn't until like the past probably six years that I started doing like, like my life just kind of switched, you know. And it was more of kind of when I found out like, you know, I need to go on my own journey. You know, I need to, I, I need to mm-hmm. find out who I am as a drummer. And, you know, start making my own music and, and start, you know, I don't know, just, just publicly failing so I can move on. <laughs> that is, that mm-hmm. is the scary part is the it, public. It is, failing. but it's like, that's the thing. I think that's, anyway, that's definitely, <laughs> um, it's definitely the thing that will, that has proven to make you move forward, you know, faster than anything. It's just, Mm-hmm. Again, under vulnerability too, but it's just like if 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 I prepare yeah. everything, over prepare everything, it's just going to sound like 
everything else. It's not going to stand out. It's, and then most importantly, it's not going to be me. It does feel like I'm tricking people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like when you would, when you, you came to the realization, okay, I'm going to have to fail publicly. And I'm sure that that sort of stirred up all these emotions and sort of fear-based emotions. Did you find that on the other side of that, the the failure wasn't really there or it wasn't yeah, really it as bad as you thought it was like going to be? Or the support group that I what, didn't know existed was there to catch me. You know, it's, right. it's like, I'll, you know, yeah. it kind of weeds out the people that have an expectation of you that are holding you back, you know, holding you back from your own creativity. Right. Cause you know, right. they know what they want. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, everyone deep down does know, you know, what, what feels good or what doesn't, you know, what makes them, you know, whether it's releasing, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad feelings, you know, it's, it's, it's all important. You know, it's, just, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it's like just getting back to the roots of why did people start doing this in the first place? They weren't doing it, you know. It was a form of community, most likely not to impress each other, you know, or or to yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know. I just I, I also when I was like you know going more the route of like okay, I need to get you know degree in this. I need to study this. I need to do it right, and I just kind of. I had, I started having people coming up to me and like asking me, you know, where I learned what I learned and stuff like that, that went to school. And I, I started realizing like, and, and I, I believe that there's different paths for everybody, but just for me, I just, I have a very hard time, you know, focusing and learning from people that I don't necessarily, if I don't see like the purpose in that moment, like I can't just sit there and play, right. you know, complex versions of paradiddles all day or whatever you know i just i need to see the purpose of it and then i'll learn it you know or i'll learn it the hard you know the Mm -hmm. the slow way not the hard way just you know playing along with a song and just keep doing it until it just feels right but yeah just you know having other people come forward at that specific time of feeling like okay i need to go to school it made me realize you know that you know my um if, if if you develop technique or focus on learning, developing someone else's technique too much, then it, you know, truly is a means to an end. You know, you're just going to do the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. You're going to make the same record over and over again because, you know, you feel like you finally figured <laughs> it out, but it's, it's not, you know, I, I really have learned to trust my nerves and feel that, you know, you know, if you're not worried about it, then there's probably something wrong. You know, you're not going to give your best performance. You're not a little mm-hmm. bit on edge. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> you, I, you mentioned when people started playing music, it was for, uh, it was for community and, and obviously people weren't, you know, when they started playing mm-hmm. music, they weren't trying to sell records or, or try to get a crowd or something. It was to, it was to celebrate and things like that. And I love that you, you always had that in the back of your mind of preserving why music, why we listen to music or mm-hmm. why we play music in the first place. And I feel like that translates into the way that you record because you record on one, you record on, on sort of older gear, you use capskin heads and things like that. But then also like mm-hmm. you're recording to tape, right? So you're not, you're not, you're not, um, 
you know, using all yeah. these crazy <laughs> digital plugins and stuff like that. And you're, and you try to keep it as organic as possible, right? Is just like, let's make the sound that we want to hear and then just record it as, as sort of hands off as we can, just enough to capture the sound. And, yeah. And yeah, that's, that's I mean, my, my main chain too, again, with limitations, like in the audio world too, it's just like Pro Tools. I mean, you can do anything. You're like absolutely anything. Um, but, you know, yeah. I need someone yeah. or something to cut me off and be like, here's what, here's your tools. This is what you have to work with. You know, to me, that's, that's where I'll get more of myself and less of the gear. And, you know, I just, I've had like, whenever I make videos now, I, it's a, a good, probably 40% of them are just on an iPhone. Um, but like whenever I do like mm-hmm. more effects or playing along with songs and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take the time just to try and pair the right drums that naturally sit. I study a lot of frequency mapping and like, you know, a lot of the old school methods of like, you know, okay, if, you know, if we need 80 hertz there, is it, if the bass drum already covered there, it's, you know, in the, you know, 2K region or whatever, you know, just, just knowing what to put there to fill in these right. gaps so that you can, you know, figure out what to play more. And, you know, I just have this, I, I have this Ampex 601 tape machine and um, I have like a AEA R88 and a, b- a bunch of different old RCA ribbon mics and stuff that I've collected. But um, for the most part, I just keep that same, you know, setup of it's normally no more than four mics and going into the tape machine, going into um, just the Universal mm-hmm. Audio Console platform where it's just like I just have a the Capital Chambers echo, um, echo chamber emulation. And that's that's normally about yeah. it. <laughs> Dude, I was just there. I didn't. I didn't know. I had no idea oh, about that. They're, that they're whole incredible. Echo that echo chambers are definitely a big source of inspiration for me too. <laughs> can we can we talk about that? Because maybe I'm maybe I'm just like uh, someone who doesn't know anything. But I was like, I've never even. Not only have I never heard of them, but I had no oh, idea yeah. that they were at yeah, Capitol Studios either. They're incredible, and, and I mean, they're just like, like going in one and just clapping. It's I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. they're just these giant like cement vats, you know, basically. But the first time I got to work yeah. with those, I was producing when I was doing more producing. I was producing at East West, and they have like all these like beautiful Putnam echo chambers. So being able to go up there and like place, you know, just, just like an SM57 or whatever, you know, and, because you're just reamping in yeah. there. But. So, so the way they work is you're running a signal to this echo mm-hmm. chamber, right? So you're running a speaker in this echo chamber and then it's reverberating inside of this echo chamber and there's a mic in there that's picking up the reverberation yep. and, and sending then just it back to the board. Parallel processing it, just blending it into taste or some, I mean, some of those old records, it's just pure it's so, echo chamber so signal. Awesome. It's a pure wet signal. And, you know, it's just, it really changes the way you're playing. I did a session kind of, kind of like Phil Spector and in, inspired with, um, this, um, artist a couple of years back that, you know, we were going for like that Ronette sound. I set up like right where Hal Blaine would set up and, um, I produced and played drums mm-hmm. on. So it was a bit of a, but I had a really good, great engineer helping out too. So <laughs> made things easier, but, um, we had like all the That's awesome. echo chamber lines, you know, everything, everything that you're hearing in the headphones, all the players in the room live, you know, just the way they used to do it. So like if I hit, if I hit the snare drum, we had the the EMT 140 plate reverb. That was only that wasn't an echo chamber for the drums. It was like the it was the same unit that they used on like Be My Baby by the Ronettes. So like 
you know, when I hit mm-hmm. the snare in the headphones before we, the, anything was tracked or anything, you know, I got that, that sound, you know, and reacting to it. And like, that's something that yeah. has really proven a lot is, you know, I, I know I keep saying the, you know, re- reacting reaction, but that's like, to me is like how I would describe, you know, my whole style is just reacting to things. You know, if I, mm-hmm. if I put re- that same reverb or same echo chamber on after the fact, it's going to sound completely different. My performance is going to change. You know, I'm not going to be as dynamic, most likely, yeah. you know, but yeah, reverb is, mm-hmm. is there, is there latency? Is there latency with um, those echo chambers? I guess the latency would be where, how far you pull back the mic, because like you can determine, you know, where it's at in the room, you know, um, unless you mean like latency between the lines. Gotcha. But there shouldn't be latency between those. Yeah. That's, I was thinking that I, I don't, I don't no. think so. Cause I mean, cause the one at Capitol records are like, they're like five, they could be a thousand yeah. feet away from the, yeah, they're studio. probably just like long, like, you know, but I guess it's just uh, snakes like run under. I'm, I'm not good at like yeah. that, like the studio build type of things, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a gear yeah. tech guy. So a lot of times I'm like, uh, they're I'm like, fascinating. Exactly no, I mean, work? just, I mean, I, they I are remember, fascinating. like, yeah, that, that was like when I first found out that that's what those were, I was just like, I think it was like an old, like thirties advertisement. It was, it was like really lo-fi footage of them demonstrating, like doing like the old, like sound effects and stuff like that. And I was just blown away. And of course I oh, know, really? had to set up a speaker and try it, <laughs> but yeah, I, I love that type of stuff. Yeah, now that stuff is cool. How how they had one, how they had like mm-hmm. workarounds to figure things out, right? Now they now you know you just hit a button, but uh, but the fact that everything was just recorded mm-hmm. live and everything was just you know it was they're like we have good mics, we set it up, you know we we map out the studio the way it needs to be mapped out. And we capture the sound and it really was an, I mean, that's why they're called engineers because they were really engineering mm-hmm. sound and, and there was a math involved and all, and like that, that to me is, I think is a, is a lost art. And it's really, that's really fascinating to me where it's like, you don't just go up and set yeah. a band up and turn the mics on. It was like, okay, we gotta, we gotta measure how far this mic is away from the kick drum and all that kind of stuff. That stuff that's, like, I, I, that's I really started watching the, the Beatles get back thing. And I thought that that was really a great example of people that don't, you know, that haven't spent a lot of time in the studio, something that you can watch and get an idea of what it's actually like to make a record, you know, completely analog and to make it, you know, not, not Mm -hmm. rely so heavily on digital technology, like the amount of pain, even though they were probably one of those spoiled bands in the world at the time, you know, had endless money and the greatest engineers in the world, it just still showed how much pain and like adding, you know, a different, Mem- uh, member you know to the group like with like billy preston how that changed their energy right. you know it's just th- there is definitely mm-hmm. a big thing too with like you know i get it a lot you know i get a lot of messages you know where people want to know every single drum i'm using every single you know some people have bought you know like the same uh snare drum or whatever be like why doesn't the sound the same you know it's just like i i have this i i, I had a um uh kind of a fear of like you know even like 
posting like too much like with on like my ANF kit or like the more high end higher end drums that I play that you know people are going to think oh if I had this drum set then I can do that you know all the tone and that's something that I right. work try and work hard at every day is you know whether it's you know the cheapest you know old you know Japanese set or whatever I want it to I want you know it to still sound like me I want it to sound the same you know I want, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it shouldn't be, you know, the drum set shouldn't, shouldn't be like, you know, more than 40% of your sound, you know, because that's like any really great record. Yeah. It's like there, it, you could have given, you know, any of these big drummers basically any kit and they would make it work, you know, again, I guess falling mm-hmm. into the limitation thing. Like that's something that helps me a lot. It's just like, yeah, you know, I want to, you know, obviously it's, it, it is, you know, to me a privilege to be able to play on some of the higher end drum, drum kits and stuff like that, but they're not always the right thing. You know, it's just like sometimes the cheaper drum set is the one, you know, sometimes, you know, and, and once you get it out of your head mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, I paid this much for a drum kit or I paid this much for a microphone. I'm going to use this, or this is the mic that this guy used on vocals. So I'm going to use this every time. It's just, you're not really serving the song, you know, to what it, what it really needs, mm-hmm. what, what would be best for it. You're just kind of serving. It's more of like preserving bragging rights of this is this, but I, I just, I, I try to think about that a lot where I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, the listener is not going to know that this is a vintage, you know, whatever drum or, or this is a rare microphone. If it, yeah. if it doesn't sound better than this mic, then I shouldn't use it, you know? <laughs> Yep. Yep. I mean, it's like, you know, what do mm-hmm. they, they always say? It's not the gear. Yeah, it's what you the do people it. behind it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So I know that you do a lot of producing and then you're also doing, do you do um, mostly remote for, for, sessions like since or COVID, are you doing? You know, that's what kind of got me more doing more session work again. Um, I've been doing like mm-hmm. um, scoring things here and there, like for commercials, like, like um uh yeti and just things like that um just more like sync licensing stuff That's from cool. other people and then um yeah lots lots mm-hmm. of remote work um which has been nice i'm this is my last year in detroit um for i'm moving down to nashville next year um so yeah like nice. in the past year i um i i cut some records with um uh the easy eye dan arbach like crew and stuff like that and that mm-hmm. that was another thing that was like really really cool and kind of opened up another world of possibilities you know just just the way he ran things and um that is cool you know yeah he's yeah, a like really Dan cool too. guy and you know very talented producer and really good at just putting the right pieces together of you know because i kind of had mm-hmm. this whole different idea of, of nashville too you know and i've just Again, like the community that has embraced me just whenever I do do sessions down there made me want to be a part of that because not that it needs another, you know, session drummer, really. It's just that it's I do feel like I want to be a part of, you know, that's where I do want a voice. That's where, uh, you know, I want to be able to to help people, you know, figure things out. But I don't. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's complex because, like, to have a voice and not have fame, 
I don't desire faint, you know? So it's like kind of meeting in the middle, but Nashville is definitely, right. you know, to me, one of the more potent spots, you know, where I can have some stronger connections of, you know, just meeting, you know, whether it's even the right guitar player or whatever that can just, you know, I don't have to explain a thing, you know, we can just sit down and play and it's just, you know, yeah. I find out things about myself and, you know, vice versa. I just like that, that balance. So I just figure it's a, it's a good time to try it out, you know, especially with going down there more. Yeah. Do you feel like those opportunities uh, aren't the trade aren't is Detroit pretty anymore? complex right now because there definitely is community, but it's is not so much the funding. You know, it's is there's it's either you're very rich right. and and you know you're controlling other people. You know, uh, buying up all the buildings and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So the middle class or poor people can't get into it. But it's it's there's it sucks because there's so much cool history and in um in detroit i mean like right right down the street is where like is the cemetery where james jamerson and Earl jones and like all the motown people are buried and like the subway is that they would take you know to hitsville so it's just it it is hard to Mm -hmm. not ignore that energy and like embrace that um at times but um yeah yeah detroit as far as a scene it's just like there are the talents all there and everything it's just there's that gap. There's too big of a gap right now where it's just like, if people see that, you know, you're catching on, they'll quickly swoop you up, you know, and, you know, bring you to a different city or whatever. It's just, it, I think it will get there eventually. Right. And I, I would love to stay in Detroit. It's just right now. It's funny. I, I've actually probably done the least amount of session work in Detroit than <laughs> anywhere else. So, and I, yeah, I've lived, really? Yeah, well, just, that doesn't tell I, you something. I, I I know exactly. You know, I'm I'm just not the. I know personally, I'm 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 not the right fit for it. You know, I'm it's, um, I'm going mm-hmm. after something, pretty uh, niche and sp- specific. So you know, it's that's where I do think it is right. better to move around and just, you know, find where you know, you feel you know embraced and welcome and and I, I do. Uh, around here but it feels more like a family way rather than a musical way you know so right right yeah hey like you said trust your and, gut you, you know? know can always as long as i'm able-bodied you you know, i'm gonna do it i, I want to travel as much as i can and just you know just kind of do things that kind of put you on edge <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah challenging that comfort zone i think that's uh i think that's a good way, a good way to approach things for sure. Um, if people, so if people want to follow along with the stuff that you're doing and, and whether it be contact you or follow you or something, yeah, it's the best I, way I'd to just check out your the, Instagram. The best way I, I don't have a website or anything right now. I've just been, way. it's mainly Instagram messages and stuff okay. that I communicate with people and then, you know, email or whatever through there. Cool. So, uh, his, his Instagram is Adam Bradley Schreiber. Or at at at, uh, at Adam Bradley Schreiber yeah. on Instagram. That's a mouthful to say. Um, and I, I'm telling you, I mentioned in the beginning, so I'm telling the listeners, go check out his Instagram. Uh, I spent, I, I told him, I, I think I watched every one of his videos. They're amazing. They're like, I can't say enough great things about him. And I want to thank you for one putting that out into the world for being yourself for for being vulnerable. Uh, for coming on here and talking about that process, because I think that's extremely helpful because I think that we 
see what everyone else is doing and feel like we have to be just like everyone else. And you're a prime example of no, be yourself. It'll pay dividends and people will respect you for, for the thing it is that you want to put out in the world and you'll be happier about it. So I appreciate coming on and, and having this candid conversation about it. I think that it's it's really great for, for people to hear and, and be reminded of that the only person you can be is yourself and the best person yeah, to be is no, yourself. Thank you so, so much you for, for providing this, this platform, you know, to, you know, not just reading off the script of standard questions or anything, you know, allowing a real conversation to happen. Right. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Of course. Of course. Likewise. It's been my pleasure and you are welcome back anytime and hopefully yeah, we get to actually that. chat in person well, thank one you. Of these days. Thank you so much, All man. Right. Enjoy talk the rest of your day. I'll talk to you soon. There you have it. That's Adam Bradley Schreiber and you can check him out on Instagram at Adam Bradley Schreiber. And check out the show notes. You can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 654. If you haven't already, do me a favor, leave a rating, leave a review for the podcast that lets other people know that this podcast is worth listening to. And also, if you could share this with a friend, a fellow drummer, a fellow musician, and tag me on Instagram, tag me on Twitter, wherever you're sharing it. Love to see that stuff. Always love to interact with you if you're listening. So... I would appreciate that. And other than that, that's all I got. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking to you soon. Peace. Drummer's Resource is produced by Revoice Media. Executive producer Nick Ruffini, that's me. Edited by Justin Thomas. Video editing by Tomas Shannon. And graphic design by Catherine Wade. For more music and entertainment podcasts, be sure to check out revoicemedia.com. Hey, 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 hey.